0: This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I am searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, David L Peters, an author, engineer, entrepreneur, and spiritual searcher whose life has been with amazing consequences, excuse me, coincidences and synchronicities. He is the author of the 12 Steps to Joy and Happiness. Finding the Kingdom of God that Lies Within, Luke seventeen twenty-one. to quote. Are you there, David? I am here. Very good. Great to have you as our guest today.
1: I'm glad to be on.
0: And I am, um, I can't resist, I'll get this first one out of the way. Are you really 86 years old?
1: I, I am really 86 years old.
0: Back <laughs> in April that's fantastic fantastic it's um uh, it's it's uh quite it's quite thrilling i'm i'm getting goosebumps listening you know, listening to you because there's still a, a lot of energy left in you
1: yes there is it's uh i had a pro uh a situation this year where my where my wife of, of 59 years died back in february of cancer but uh God is still present, and I can still find the joy within God. Not quite as often as I used to, but, but that is starting to come back. That's a big blow.
0: Yes, I did see that. I'm so sorry. Let me begin uh, again with uh, some of your bio that you provided. And um, you say you have been involved with spiritual groups for most of your adult life, starting some and leading one large one for 15 years. What's the one large one for 15 years, David?
1: That's the uh, Castillo movement within the uh, Catholic Diocese of uh, Syracuse. I started it back in seventy-one, and, and up until eighty-five, I was the Dyson coordinator for that and, and lay director. The casino, if you don't know about it, is a uh, it was a Spanish movement that came over here in the early sixties. That's when I first encountered it, and it is uh, it consists of a a three and a half day weekend. And then follow on meetings to bring Christ within the world. uh actually within the working situations. And uh it, it's a very popular experience It's a, that that proved me uh a light year during that time.
0: It sounds like it. I, I see you're uh you have certain books, spiritual books that uh that you're Favorite of, which would be New Age authors Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, they. Uh, I am Roman Catholic, and and deep within my own faith, and uh, but at the same time, I'm open to anybody seeking. A spiritual way, and and uh, the work that I'm doing right now. And if you read my book, it explains that too. That it's, it's it's pretty broad based upon finding God, and it is finding God. I am God centered, and, and and so that's uh, both of those authors and and quite a few others. I I, I follow closely.
0: Well, that's good. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, references in terms of the information that you're you you learned on the one hand, and now you're relearning on the on the other. It seems. Um, in in looking at the, um, if you said that you joined a twelve step group. And that taught you more to integrate your spirituality into your life in a deeper fashion. Could you tell us a little bit about the 12-step group?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, I've had various problems that everybody has within their life, and I wasn't happy the way things were going. And I had come across the 12-step the over the years and, and, and seen how it had moved people just, Fantastic ways to to get them uh, towards a a much deeper spirituality. So I started reading on that, and then I found a group. It wasn't necessarily close by physically. I had to drive seventy five miles, which I which I did a couple times a week for for about twenty years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I found within that the uh, the deeper meaning of for a deeper meeting of, of uh, spirituality and, and, the 12 steps are a, a fantastic, uh, spiritual path. You don't have to be a, a alcoholic or a drug addict to, to gain enormous, uh, powers. It is, it is meant for everybody. It is absolutely meant for everybody.
0: Well, that's good to know. Um, I know that the, uh, I've had I've had many friends go into the uh, uh, AA program, and and they're certainly for the better of it from it. Um, and I'm I'm glad to see that that you found something similar, and, and it is it in order to uh, um, allow people to find spirituality.
1: Uh, yes, it it just became difficult to drive that 75 miles uh, each way. It, it, as I grew older, so I, I stopped that, even though I have led several groups up until a few years ago uh, in, in my own area that, that started it. And it's it's called All Addicts Anonymous, and that just means anybody that is finds himself in, in the habitual patterns of any type, uh, that you want to
0: change. There's an item here in the um, um, discussion questions, one of which I flagged right away. Can you explain? I know you're a scientist. Yes. Being an engineer. I know that if you believe that quantum physics proves that there is a God, explain that for me, please.
1: Okay. That's that's something... Uh... <laughs> I find amusing that people who, who claim to be scientists, I understand quantum physics, that um, say, "Well, there's no God, obviously, because everything is is plain and simple." So, uh, so my question is, what is everything? And quantum physics makes it clear that nothing physical truly exists; it's fields of energy. That extend forever that coalesce within a, uh, a very small area with high vibrations. But it's energy, pure energy. Everything is pure energy. That's what the atomic uh, the systems prove because you can break it apart and and what comes apart? Vast amounts of energy and, and that's all that's there. And to me, energy is uh, the essence of God that is uh, because energy has no physical bearing; it is what is termed fields, which is an infinite term of of, of of spreading vibrations everywhere. everything is coalesced within within that there's lots of arguments within the scientific community is there only one with with actually many points or are there actually many? joined together, but it, that doesn't matter. But to me, quantum physics proves that proves scientifically that a, a, a there is a God. Because what else can there be that it be that that manifests itself as pure energy?
0: I see. I, as you were speaking, then I was thinking that uh, there are no boundaries to that.
1: There are no boundaries.
0: Um, another item here is. Alternative Orthodoxy.
1: I've been accused of, of being uh, a heretic within my church, and uh, but I actually follow the, the teachings of, of Father Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest in, in New Mexico, who who preaches about the Alternative Orthodoxy. That's his term. Actually, he uses, and it's a different way of viewing God. It's it's the way Saint Francis of Assisi viewed God. God, Jesus, Jesus, it, it did not come here to save us from our sins. That was already done. What he came here was to show us the way to heaven, and and to find heaven. Here, as we as we stand right now, and he said that over and over again. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is among you. Uh, Father, let them all be one, just like you and I are one. What more can you ask for? And that's the alternative orthodoxy, rather than Jesus, that that God was so angry, and God cannot get angry per se. That he demanded that his son die in pain on the cross—that's ridiculous in in my thinking. And uh, so this is the alternative. orthodoxy. Well, actually, Christianity taught that as its primary approach for the first three hundred years. But then, when things got turned around because of Constantine, and the uh, and the church suddenly became. The in thing to be, they became an empire, and so they had to move away from that because that certainly doesn't doesn't fit the empire mold. And and, and they they certainly started teaching very strongly. The other approach of, of an empire approach. So that's why it is called the alternative orthodoxy. It is not heretics it's always within the orthodoxy of christianity but it's not commonly taught
0: i see that um calling yourself a follower of jesus right now is that different than being a christian
1: <laughs> only in it it is a christian of course but only in in a sense that i believe that Jesus never said, Worship me. Never. Not once. But he did say, Follow me. And that I find that in most common thought patterns of Christianity we're to fall on our knees and to worship God and then go on with our life as if nothing else has changed. Which is just the opposite in in my thinking of what Jesus taught. Jesus said to the young man, Sell all that you have. Come and follow me, and we can sell things in actually many different ways. But to follow Jesus is something that I have put forward in my life, all of my life. I met Jesus when I was about four years old, as a young child growing up in Ohio, out in the country. I used to roam around through the fields, and and, uh, and Jesus was my best long conversations, yes, conversations back and forth, and of course a young child, and then as I grew further that uh, developed into uh, adult thinking, I have read hundreds and hundreds of uh, spiritual books of all types, including some very uh, challenging theological tomes by the great writers from Vatican II and uh, because of my age of course I was I was in my prime at that point back in the sixties. So I have I consider myself today a follower of of Jesus. And I, I prefer that term rather than Christianity a Christian because that implies other things that that I disagree with.
0: And I I can certainly understand that. Uh. I found myself uh, in a in, once upon a time in a business deal, and they hid information from me and, and labeled themselves as as such. And that kind of taught me that, a little lesson. Yeah. Uh, the uh, synchronicity. Yes. Did that begin? I think you said around the age of forty. You said that a dark, that not not a dark, but a cloud followed you. How I did that became, work?
1: I found myself doing things and thinking and thinking about things that was uh, uh, a challenge in my life. And, and uh, you know, my wife and I worked things out. But it's been a challenge in that how do I find a peace in, in that? And uh, actually, about that time, the uh, most of my synchronicity things that occurred uh, were changes that occurred in my life that uh, that that meshed together so well. And I know uh, things like that. When you lose a job, what do you do? When I was seventeen, eighteen, when I graduated from high school, I I, I was uh, I was pretty good with my hands, and I had taken a machine course, and so I was offered the opportunity to be an apprentice machi- uh, tool and, and and die maker, actually mold maker for plastic molds, and uh, I worked in that for a couple of years, about a year and a half, I guess, be- as the Korean War ended, and the uh, pr- apprentice they had had came back and wanted his job back. This was a very tiny company, so I lost my job. Then I was offered an opportunity to be, uh, by my dad, to come to work in, in the Tesla, lab. They- uh, they made high-pressure fuel pumps for aircraft, and so I answered completely naive, not not knowing anything at all about things like that, to to test pumps. And within one year, I was the lead technician and the engineer, and that's what I call synchronicity. That was given me an opportunity to find my 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 professional calling in life. Uh, engineer sat me down and he said, "You go back to school. You're too good." So I did, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just one of just so many. I met my wife. I was uh, I, I had a scholarship offered to me from Ohio State uh, in in radio astronomy, which I I still dearly love. And, and uh, for a PhD after after college, but then I was in New York because I just wanted to go to New York as and I used a job interview. I, I did well in school, so I, I was I was fairly well sought after. And, and uh, I decided to take that job. I was at that point I was 25 because I was 21 before I, I went back to school. And uh, I took the job. And four months later, I had joined a youth a young persons group, not a youth group, a young persons group of those that were out of college and on their own within the Catholic Church. I was very active in, in Long Island. And I, I, had, I had driven 700 miles in order to get there. And, and, and my future wife at that point lived right across the street. Well, she joined actually February 22nd of 1960. And she died exactly 60 years later on, on the day that we met. Mm-hmm. So I met her, and and that's, we got married just over a year later. So that's just another synchronicity where things work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost my job down there because of the of a uh, a depression in 1970. We had been up camping in upstate New York where I live now uh, the summer before and. At that point, I had five children, and we had fallen in love with the area. And, and we said, gee, what can you do? Well, I'm a specialist engineer, a television specialist. And, and what can I do up here? So I went home. That was in August. Uh, early in November, I got laid off. That Sunday in, in the New York Times was a one-inch ad that spoke my name. It It had all of these the terms that I was uh, very good at within it that they were searching for. I answered the ad. The ad was for a, a, a flight simulation company from a, a flight simulation company up in Binghamton, New York. And it was only in that one week, in that synchronicity. That was the only week that I looked. I answered the ad, they offered me a job, and we took it and we and, 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 uh, 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 moved upstate, not far from where we had gone camping um, that year, the following year, 1971. That's synchronicity.
0: Well, I know that uh, in my own life, I don't take the time to think to myself, now that door closed, there must be another door opening. Uh, I did somewhat the same after I got back from Vietnam. I was in college and I got the uh, basics. I wanted a business degree, I didn't know what, but I got the basics out of the way. And then I decided I needed to go to the business school of business and talk to the various professors. Each of them uh, you know, told me why I should become uh, a marketing expert. Uh, statistics uh, or finance. And I saved the last one f- to be the, the accounting department. And I, I went in and I saw one of the professors and I said, here's what I'm doing and here's why. And he said, well, uh, have you had uh, any accounting classes? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, did, uh, what was your grade? I said, uh, A, and he said, have you had the second uh, uh, accounting class? I said, yes. He said, did you get an A in that one? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was six kinds of stupid. And he said, what is wrong with you, boy? <laughs> he, you know, he, he said, you realize how many people just, they don't get it. They can't get through the course. And you, you, you're making A's in both of them. And you're figuring, trying to figure out what you want to do. Come on. He was a great guy. Yeah, 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 great guy. Um, and seeing that, um, I'm looking at the word, and, and this word popped out to me. And this is where you were talking about the, uh, um, the 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 shadow. Yeah, and yeah. and I see that you, know, you had. It says that you wanted to enjoy God's presence. Obviously you did that as a child. Right. But I had to work, you had to work for this for most of the time to maintain that awareness. And that that awareness is, uh, how would you define that? A degree of of belief, a degree of acceptance, a degree of fill in the blank for me.
1: And awareness to me, it's just a constant, deep, uh, underlying calmness that is a result of a, a living contact with, with the living God. And it, it's, it's, it's something that you have to work at every day. I still meditate an hour a day or so. Uh, and, and, uh, and I use the term meditation to include silent meditation a listening to to uh, uh a talk reading quiet thinking about that, and just letting myself sit in the presence of of God for at least twenty minutes a day and sometimes often twenty minutes at night beside the morning time and it's it's these things that you do. To to foster the underlying calmness. When my wife died back in February, I thought I was prepared. I had read everything I could up, about death, and the five steps, and so forth and so on. But but that was looking at something from from my knowledge viewpoint. I'm a great knowledge person. I I take great courses. I take all kinds of of of, of reading countless books. Uh, I don't watch any TV. And so that, that's, that's what I I fill my time with. But until you're in the flow of grief, you don't know what it is. And it's the same way you can read about God. You can study all, all about God. But until you're in the flow of God, you don't know what it is. And there's no words can express it. I can tell you how I feel. Because even in that depth of and of the pain of of loss, God was still present. I was still aware of the underlying peace that was there. I had a hard time reaching it, and I could just kind of skip over it. And that's called the dark night of the soul. Uh, and it, there's some really good treatise on the dark night of the soul about uh, what that means because it is in that process of of uh of pain that you find like Jesus on the cross you can come to the father and uh, and and just say help and you truly mean help and, and so that's how the underlying sense of being I can talk about it, and I can share my experience, but it's not like doing it. And the way you do it is you sit there and you take the time to work at it every single day, bar none. Sometimes it's very fleeting because of of, of things are in a big turmoil, certainly doing it during the last 10 days of my, my wife's life with the... Uh, uh, with hospice, and our four daughters were here uh, full-time, which, thank heaven, because uh, Eileen died at home, A- and, the, and the process was extremely challenging, to put it mildly, A- and uh, again, giving morphine every hour and things of this nature to, to keep the pain down. But uh, God smiled all the time. The day before Eileen died... A uh, latest granddaughter was born, and she opened her eyes up for the last time that we saw to look at the pictures and smiled at that. And then she closed them again and just kind of fell into a coma, that, and, and she died the next day. So that's the sense of being in the flow of God that I'm
0: talking about. I got about halfway through your information and uh, it motivated me to to buy your book. I bought, I bought your book about 45 Thank minutes you. ago. Um, David, tell our listeners how to find you.
1: I have a website that uh, I've been writing a blog for the full year that Eileen went through the process of, of, uh, of cancer. And I have started a slightly different blog that has followed through with her death. It is that my full name. Now my full name is David Lendon L e n d o n Peters dot com. That's all one word. David Lendon Peters dot com. There's so many David Peters out there. I tried David Peters, David L Peters, all I, and they all they that didn't work. So this is what I'm. It's David Lendon Peters dot com. Uh, davidlendonpeters dot com is is my uh, is my website and I've been talking about how grief flows through the process during this time.
0: Well, David, I want to thank you again for uh, being our guest today. Well, thank you, Ben. And... Sure. My my pleasure. And thank you listeners for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all.